Nature will unapologetically weed your genes out of existence if you don't take action and learn how to attract women now. Do I have your attention? Mystery from the book The Mystery Method, How to Get Beautiful Women into Bed. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Felonious Pundits. I am Kintad Spinsgard, and along with me, as per usual, please say hello to Mr. AJ Mass. Why, well, I have to say, Kintad, you are looking very, very good today. But, you know, most days you don't, which is why I noticed in the first place. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Uh, Folks, if you're wondering why we're here, well, we like to do a podcast about the show Criminal Minds. Each week we take a look at an episode and recap it for you. I haven't seen these episodes before, so I'll be giving you that sort of first watch perspective. And AJ is our grizzled veteran who has seen each and every episode plenty of times. AJ, this week we are here to watch Season 4, Episode 9 of Criminal Minds, entitled 52 Pickup. This was written by Breen Frazier, AJ. Breen. Breen and, Frazier, uh, the, the New York Knicks announcers collaborating? <laughs> Breen Frazier? Yeah. Hey, how did that happen? Uh, this episode was directed by Bobby Roth, and it originally aired November 26, 2008. Eight. I decided to come up with an alternative title for this episode. AJ, it makes no sense at all, but I was just so proud of myself for this. So I'm calling this episode Spencer Reed and the Chamber of Seacrest. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> uh, I. I would call this the magical mystery snore. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. I think we had two two winners there. So let's just get started, shall we? We uh, open the show. We are in Atlanta, Georgia. We're at a nightclub. There's the generic dance music going on in the background and people dancing and we cut over and we see a couple of uh, attractive blonde women. They are probably uh, reminiscent. I don't, I don't know why I thought of the Bush twins. That's <laughs> who, I, who okay. I thought of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jenna, Jenna and Barbara, were that, that who they were? <laughs> and uh, they're sitting there getting their drink on. And one of them is kind of in the mood to go home. But uh, the other one is like, oh, no, you look great. Just drink. And they're basically out there looking for Mr. Wright to come through. All of a sudden, apparently Mr. Wright has walked in, but we don't see him. So we know he must be Mr. Wrong. (laughs) One pairs off with him and they seem to be getting along. And we now cut to the BAU office. No fuss, no muss. I liked that quick. Oh, two girls meet the guy. Boom. We're done. We're out of there. We're going to hear this story. We're out of there, and one of them going to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we cut to our BAU office, and we see 
Agent Todd giving the case as JJ generally does, but obviously she is out. And she tells us about Vanessa Holden, who was our victim. She was 25 years old. She was out clubbing with her sister. There was a stranger, a white man, roughly her age, picked her up. They left the club, went back to her place. And then he forced her down on her hands and knees and then cut her open just below the stomach. Pretty grotesque. And we see the gruesome pictures up on the on the monitors. Reed helps helpfully tells us, well, you know, you can still live for a little while while this is happening. Your intestines come out. Um, you can actually last for days after that. But then uh, Agent Todd says, look, uh, from the postmortem, we found out uh, her slope hit her, her slope. Her throat was slit <laughs> at a, about 5 a.m. that morning. So basically he disemboweled her but didn't kill her for a couple of hours. I mean, I guess he just doesn't like parody songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the actress was Ricky Lindholm, who's in Garfunkel and Oates. So <laughs> it, it's a very small role considering who she is today. But at the time, she was a relative unknown. So it's just nice to see her get a foot of the door. But I recognized her immediately. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so they talk about another case that uh, Agent Todd found out about a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm sorry, a year ago, um, there were two prostitutes that were killed in motel rooms. And so Morgan, I love that Morgan is always the, the questioning one at the at the at the pre-profile meeting. Like he's always the one saying, why is this connected or how is this something we should be? Morgan is always that guy. And he is here saying, why do you think this is the same unsub? And Agent Todd lets us know that in her apartment. They found bleach, ammonia, trash bags, and they were all arranged in this same triangular pattern, which shows them that this guy appears to be cleaning up. And uh, they're trying to figure out why it is. Is he trying to hide his track? Is this remorse? What is what is the deal here? And then uh, Agent Todd. Are we going to go with Agent Todd or Jordan? Because uh, I'm saying Todd. Agent Todd. I, I prefer Todd. Todd. Yeah, I prefer Todd. So she ain't, the, she ain't no Jordan. <laughs> no goat here. Or maybe goat, but me, as we'll find out later. These are the things that I worry about, folks. So Todd says, uh, you know, there is something in common between the murders. We did find bleach and ammonia under the victim's fingernails. I can't talk today, but I'm going to continue trying people because I this is important. <laughs> They found bleach and ammonia under the victim's fingernails. So that means he's making them clean up their own murder. And Hotch says, it's the same unsub. And we go to credits. So far at this point, I'm loving it. Just moving right along. Get the details. Move on to the next scene. So far. So far, they no. They, this is this this episode means business so far. <laughs> so we uh, cut over to the BAU jet. We get our usual pre-profile from the team, and we get our quote from. I couldn't tell actually if this was Prentice or Todd. To be honest with you, I went with Prentice, but it might have been Todd. They sound a little similar to me. It, yeah, it's very true, and then they didn't really pay attention to it because it's you know. It's, yeah. 
it's, it's really irrelevant. Um, very, rare, very rarely are the quotes interesting to me. Uh, you know, after a while, sometimes they 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 are relevant. Sometimes they're funny, but uh, not this one. <laughs> so, author Harlan Ellison wrote, "The minute people fall in love, they become liars." So, all right. Sure. Okay. So don't fall in love is what he's saying. Or is he <laughs> yeah. in love and he's lying to us? Wait a second. Harlan, if I asked the guy next to you if you were lying, what would he say? <laughs> so basically, they're trying to figure out why the unsub changed the victimology because the first couple of kills were of prostitutes and then this later killing is somebody that was more of a high society person, somebody that was a little more high profile. So what what's the deal with them changing the uh Yeah, we've we've seen this before, you know, when oh they're devolving or, you know, they've gotten better at the job over time, but this is like two kills, year off, one kill. That that's a that's what's striking them as very odd here. Yeah. So uh Hotch says, look, something must have happened between the the last prostitute and then Vanessa Holden making him change the victimology. And uh, Todd says, well, maybe the, could the unsub have known Vanessa? And Morgan says, well, no, that's probably not likely. Sexual sadists usually attack anonymously. Reed says they have to sever any kind of personal connection and see their victims as objects to do this kind of torture. And Prentice says, look, we got to build two profiles, one for the unsub who killed the prostitutes and one for the unsub who went to the clubs. Hotch is like, yep, Prentice is right. That's what we got to do. Treat them as separate unsubs. See what what overlaps. He assigns everybody to their usual positions, in which in this case is Reed is going to work on the geography of the situation. Uh, Prentice and Rossi are going to concentrate on the prostitutes. And Jordan, Morgan, and Hotch will go deal with Vanessa Holden. Divide and conquer. That's the way we do it here. Yes. There was, one, there was one funny moment on the jet where Rossi's like saying, like, we got to figure out how this guy went from the loser of the year to Don Juan. <laughs> right. And Reed's like, actually, Don Juan. And I get that, 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 that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> he cut himself off from reading. I was like, progress. Reed recognized that he was reading. <laughs> he read the room. Yes. <laughs> and uh, went with it. Yeah. Nice little, nice little comic, comic beat there. Yeah. So next we go to the Atlanta police station and we meet our local detective, Detective Harding. Todd makes the introductions of the team and we learn some facts about the case. There's no DNA, no prints, no fibers, no nothing. Everything gets cleaned up. There's witnesses and they have a sketch. And (laughs) I laughed immediately at this sketch. (laughs) I don't know about you, but it was just so... Random. Generic. It was generic. It was yeah. it was etch a sketch quality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know the. It reminded me of the face where it has the little metallic bits, and you use the magnet to draw like mustache on mustache, mustache on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know. <laughs> um, so anyway, they figure that this guy is is doing something a little different, and he's actually obscuring his face. But at the same time, drawing attention to it, as Reed helpfully tells us, this is called peacocking, um, which is to have some sort of flashy adornment on while uh, distracting you from 
from seeing something, a bit of sleight of hand, if you will. It it does make sense that if you uh, witness a crime and the guy's wearing a clown suit... Right. Or or he's you know he's wearing a lumberjack outfit. They say, what did he look like? He was wearing a lumberjack outfit. Like what? Well, what color his eyes? What is? Uh, did, I don't know. He, I, he was wearing a lumberjack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah, makes sense. So Todd says to the detective, "Look, we need to uh, have a sit down and talk with Ashley. She's the one that got the best look at him, and Ashley apparently is is Vanessa's sister." And the detective says, "Well, I." I can't let that happen. The uh, family has stopped cooperating and they won't really tell us why today. It just happened today. They don't want to talk to us. And so agent Todd is like, you know what? I'll take care of this. She steps aside to call Garcia. The first thing she asks, is there any leverage you can give me that will help with the family? (laughs) I, I don't know why that, also struck me as funny. Like I, I know what she's going for her here, and Garcia does too. She's like, if they broke the law, that'd be one thing, but they haven't really done anything wrong. Like this so, is the victim's family. You do understand yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's going on here? And uh, Todd is like, well, what about the public record? Any is there anything out there that can maybe explain why they're you know trying to shut this case down? Garcia has a lot of blog postings on them. Apparently they're, you know, city socialites, movers and shakers, et cetera, et cetera. She saw, has a lot of posts like, oh, they got what they had coming to them. And how did Ashley get her sister killed? And how much does it cost to gut the slutty one? And stuff like that. And so Agent Todd says. Horrible, horrible stuff. And you understand that if they're a rich family that is prominent in the area, maybe they just want to like bunker down and like, just just yeah. move along nothing to see here yeah exactly next we cut over to todd morgan and hotch they go over to the holden household and we meet the mother and she's like you know you all are just wasting your time uh, we just want to get this behind us and todd goes into a little bit of acting here like a little bit of playing the part she's uh mrs holden we can't begin to fathom the loss you've suffered but I lost my older sister in a car crash. It was really hard on our family. She was the responsible one. She was the one that my mom counted on to watch over us. And and when she died, my mom wouldn't let the police in. Because if she didn't let them in, my sister really wasn't dead. And this man is a monster and we can catch him. But we need your daughter's help. And that actually kind of wins her over. You know, she's like, if you accuse her of anything, so like, you're right there. This is what she's worried about, like right. The, and, and, and Morgan, I, also, I love Morgan doing the repetition as way until you get what you want. We won't. We we won't. We won't. Yes. We won't. <laughs> okay, you can see her. Good. <laughs> and then uh, Morgan asks Hotch as, as the two, the Jordan and the mom walk away. Did did you know all that stuff about Jordan? And he's like. No, and neither did she. According to her <laughs> file, she's an only child. Uh, Busted. Yeah. So then we see Morgan and Hodge sitting with uh, Ashley, Vanessa's sister. Ashley, I think she's feeling like a little guilty here. She, you know, brought her out because she had just, uh, Vanessa had just broken up with her. So she brought her out to have a good time. Just the regular guys were ordinary and we weren't having a good night thus far and then 
well, what was it about this guy that made her leave with him? Morgan says, we saw a picture of him on surveillance and we noticed he was dressed like a rocker. <laughs> a rocker is what he said. I, yeah. It, I, this is a dialogue a little weak there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He was wearing a fedora. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of rockers. And like, and like a... A, a, a vampire coat. <laughs> <laughs> the great rocker Frank Sinatra would tell you. Yeah. <laughs> the fedora is the yeah. much needed. It's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what what did what was special about this guy? And, and Ashley's like, well, his attitude. He was kind of he was kind of funny. He was hitting on him, making a joke out of it. We get a, a flash to the scene, and he's like, oh, you don't recognize me? I'll give you three guesses. His voice also to me at at that moment sounded like Rob Lowe. Nope. Okay. I don't know okay. why. It just just did. Uh, and then she says, you know, he even had two different colored eyes. And Morgan was like, so yeah, he he wanted to be noticed. And Ashley <laughs> quick, like, quick, get Max Scherzer into custody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's the name? I know you as a trivia person know the name of that when you have. It's not just a, a trivia thing. It's because I'm a Mets fan, and Max Scherzer is now on the right. Mets. It's just heterochromia. <laughs> Thank you. I knew I had heard that before, but I just couldn't <laughs> remember it. But yeah, so he was funny, and he hit on them, and they kind of liked him. And so, yeah, they decided that uh, he was all right, and she let her alone. And the last thing her sister told her was, oh, I had the best time tonight. Kind of sad. Just very sad. I mean, you know, again, nothing wrong with, with anything thus far except for, um, oh, I don't know, lying to the family. <laughs> right. So that's why Hotch is going to kind of rip into Jordan as they are. I'm sorry, Todd. As they are. All good. <laughs> See, I'm doing it now. I'm, I'm going back and forth. He kind of rips into her, though, AJ. He's like, uh, well, First of all, where did you get the information about Vanessa Holden being the responsible sister? And Todd says, well, she basically kind of intuited it based on the birth order. And, you know, she did see some stuff online. But Hotch is like, you lied. You lied. And, and I think I, I'm impressed with Todd here. She's trying to defend herself at first against the Hotch master, Meister. Uh, she's like, you know what? That mother was shut down. I needed to get some rapport with her. And Hotch is like, I don't know how you did things in counterterrorism, <laughs> but here in the BAU, we don't make it a habit to lie to get the job done. Jordan is like, <laughs> Todd is like, I got you in the door, didn't I? And Hotch, yeah, that that was that was that was that was the, the that line was, that was just like, no, was, no, no, don't be cocky about this. Right, that exactly. is not going to work. Hotch says in his typical Hotch angry sounding voice, not only do you represent the FBI, you represent this team to the press, to the police, to the families who are struggling with the hardest times of their lives. If you get caught in a lie, that's really going to screw up our trust when we need that to help these solve these cases. Do I make myself clear? And uh, she just finally gets the value of Prentice just says it won't happen again <laughs> as Prentice would have said first of all yeah. <laughs> to, to cut it off and right ha- there. And of course, you're damn right. It won't. Yeah. <laughs> no, it won't very sternly. And not only that, when they get back to the office, he wants her to do a press release, but he doesn't want her to release it. 
everything has to go through him. So, and then he stalks off. So clearly not happy with that. And uh, Todd asks Morgan, uh, how bad did I just mess things up? On a normal scale, Morgan would say six, but Hodge's scale is about an 11. Right. And, and in all fairness, this is how Hodge treats every new person who comes to the team. I mean, you know, it's not the same as, oh, well, I shot the guy, but... <laughs> Right. It was in self-defense when it really wasn't L. Uh, but, you know, when Emily came in, like, uh, yeah, I don't trust you because you're conspiring against me. Like, he doesn't trust new people. So, of course, he's not going to trust her. And this was a blatant lie. This, and this wasn't to the unsub. This yeah. was to the victims. And, like, that's, right. like, this you is day two, honey. Like, nah. Yeah. Like, be part of the team first. I have a theory that Hutch is attracted to JJ. He will, he will never say hmm. anything. He, it's not anything that, not enough to the point where he's going to try to ruin her relationship, anything like that, or make any kind of comment about it. She's kind of reminiscent of his wife, not 100%, okay, but okay. a little bit. It's, she's kind of and, his type. I mean, it was yeah. that first time when Rossi came in, it was like, and, we didn't have one of those. Like, one of what? And this person, yeah, yeah, and this person is supposed to be replacing JJ? No way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit of that. All right. Sure, sure. And and quite frankly, he knows JJ's coming back. Yeah. This is temporary, so I don't got to get too attached to this person. Right, exactly. Uh, So let's go back to the police station, and uh, we have Reed going over the case. And basically, based on the geography from where the prostitutes were killed in these motels in Fulton County, then switched over to the Vanessa Holden's apartment, which is in, I don't know, Atlanta, but this sounds like it. The Peachtree District. A lot of money there. Free. You think there might be a Peachtree Street <laughs> in Atlanta? Possibly. And so based on that, he's not just changing the victimology. He, he changed... His whole tax bracket is how he puts it. So, yeah, he's sort of moving on up to the east side, so to speak. Yes. At one point with the prostitutes in the seedy neighborhood, the next point he's doing these high-class neighborhoods. We kind of already got that feeling, what that seems to be all about. Then Morgan is like, well, that's a, a long way to climb, basically, from someone like that to this self-assured person. And Hotch says, yeah, but he took like a year off. Maybe he took the time to change himself. And Morgan says, well, that's impossible because this is a total transformation that would be needed here. How you change, how you talk, how you dress, how you think about yourself. <laughs> I, I just, I hear Morgan singing like, 525,600. How does an unsub transform in a year? His lifestyle is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Hodge says, well, it may be difficult, but it's not impossible. And during this, we get a flashback, ridiculous flashback to the unshaven, kind of schlubby version of an unsub. And then we see him. And he's gotten a shave, and he's doing sit-ups, and then he's uh, getting his hair cut. He's sitting in the barber chair. And then most ridiculously of all, 
He's sitting there putting his fedora hat on <laughs> in a cool pose like he was in the Rat Pack or something. Like, Oh, this is just awful. <laughs> Not necessary and awful. They hired an actor <laughs> and an entire B unit for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Rossi points out like he's already, you know, started killing. But then all of a sudden, there must be a, a secondary trigger. So not the first trigger that started him killing, but a secondary one between those two that made him decide he needed to change who he was. So that's the basic point of this scene. How, do, how and why did his profile change during that year? So they're trying to figure out where would you make those changes? Would you go to like a self-help class? Man and in the mirror, make that change. <laughs> How do you do that? And uh, Morgan is like, well, this is a dude who kills prostitutes. Is, is, is he really signing up for like a Tony Robbins seminar? <laughs> uh, which I, I, I did chuckle at that. And then Rossi says, well, he found a class in the same place he found the prostitutes and points to one of those escort weekly looking type of newspapers that has a uh, plenty yeah. of ads like Atlant- Atlantis Craigslist version, was a thing. Yeah, Atlanta's version of the Village Voice, maybe. Back when that yeah. was a thing. <laughs> and there's this big ad, learn how to pick up chicks. <laughs> <laughs> and after we get a quick flash to that ad, we get a quick flash to a woman in a club. She's clearly dancing with our unsub, and she says she likes his style. And we cut Ooh. to a break. Cut to a break. And when we cut back, oh no, it's a crime scene. <laughs> yeah. I guess we should have seen that coming based <laughs> based on the fact that this is a criminal mind. Um, so, yeah, the new crime scene is about uh, an apartment and we see Prentice is on the balcony and she looks down and the camera zooms down to there. We see Morgan, Rossi and Reed surrounding a nasty looking pool of blood on the on the sidewalk. Yeah, this was actually a cool shot. It just is a little a little gory for my tastes, <laughs> but I was like, oh, well, I guess that's where the unsub uh, left the victim. <laughs> yeah. So Morgan's talking to Rossi and Reed. We go to their vantage point and he's saying the autopsy's back. This victim is, is Becky Williams and she was not disemboweled. Even though they set out the cleaning supplies, there was no traces of them on her body. And so Reed is like, well, why would they, why would the unsub alter their signature and push her out of an eight story window? Morgan says, maybe they're as he's escalating to sadism. And Rossi's like, no, gutting and cleaning are what he has to do to find release. He wouldn't change that. So why, why did he change the situation here? And Reed asks if anyone saw the unsub and Morgan says, no, there are no surveillance cameras at the club. And Becky's friends did say she was talking to some dude with sunglasses and the way Reed says sunglasses, you know, that puts some kind of a thought in his head. And we quickly go back to the apartment where Hotch is talking to Prentice and they're trying to figure out why the cleaning supplies weren't used. Also at all the other scenes, they were in that nice little triangular pattern, but here they were just sort of haphazardly thrown about. They were part of the mess they think maybe she fought back and then, you know, she went over the railing and, and he knew the police would be there quickly or maybe she jumped. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is the 
this is actually the most logical thing. I, it, it shouldn't have taken this long, you know, five minutes of a scene to do it. Wow, I guess she jumped. That, that, that's that's <laughs> right. it. You know, I guess she jumped. <laughs> yep. Hotch points out, well, now he's struck two Fridays in a row. And if this his regular routine got interrupted, maybe he's going to be compelled to strike again. Uh, and Prentice does point out it's Saturday. And so, you know, the clubs are going to be packed. He'll have plenty of uh, victims available. So they need to come up with some uh, some suspects, <laughs> which, yeah, that's what you're there for. <laughs> um, but, but yes, so they get a copy of the sketch sent out. Reed comes in and asks if they can get a copy of the sketch sent out to Garcia. And uh, they can, but Reed thinks that there might be a new pattern. So we cut over to back to Garcia and Reed is back at the police department talking to her and says, Okay, are you ready? And she says, yeah. She makes a crack about Photoshop not allowing her much time. And I kind of scoffed compared to what she can do in two seconds. Like she versus... needs Photoshop with her magical programs. Yeah. <laughs> because literally, the last episode, she was able to go, spirals, you know, and maps. Yeah. And what she's done here, which is basically mustache on, mustache off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or hat on, hat off is not, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> sorry, I, I, I need an upgraded memory. I don't think the system can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> so Reed points out that there's a theme going on here with the type of things that this guy's wearing. He, he's had on a fedora. He's had on colored contacts. He's had on sunglasses each time. That seems to be maybe obscuring. And he says, are you ready, Garcia? <laughs> and <laughs> All it is is a flip of the screen to like a zoom in of the picture of the guy's forehead area, basically. And Reed is like this area. Now I think he's trying to draw attention away from this area. So he probably has something there like a birthmark or a scar. So we said, they say, okay, well we need to get these pictures out. And Hotch tells Jordan to uh, go ahead and release those, that photo, that silly photo to the press. (laughs) Uh, So, we do cut to Jordan Todd at the uh, press conference. Why did I write Jordan throughout here? And then we decide on Todd. Uh, we cut to Todd. Look, at it's the press Morgan, conference. it's Prentice, it's Reed, yes. it's Hotch, it's Rossi. It's got to be Todd. Come on, man. And JJ gets JJ because she's special. Uh, well, the, the second J is Jero. True. Yeah, so she's giving the press conference. We're encouraging women to look out at this man, look out for this man. She names some clubs that he's been to. She says, may have a scar, a birthmark. And then we cut to a, a restaurant and there is a waitress working and this news is playing and she sees the photo, drops a whole tray of nachos. Oh, I don't hear an damn apology. Shame. Damn, Shane. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and okay, I, I get the fact that if she was indeed a victim and this sketch even somewhat resembles the guy, she would react to it. But we have noted the sketch is, is, is shit, right? Yes. <laughs> exactly. We cut back to the police department and Princess is talking to Hotch. She's found uh, a lot of pickup artist classes, but there was only one I'd guy who encouraged his students to dress like, she says... Space Cowboys. <laughs> Is that really what they what she got from the, a fedora and a, 
well, crazy look, jacket. We 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 are about to to meet uh, one Mr. Viper, uh, who is leading this class, and this is a spot on parody of the the man who I quoted at the beginning of this uh, episode of our podcast, uh, Mystery, who was big at this time. He had written this stupid book about you know the secret to getting women in bed and. They gave him a TV show, and he basically was like a combination of Chris Angel and, you know, your Dave Navarro <laughs> rocker type. Uh, you know, he wore the, the big puffy black hat with the feathers and the boas and, and painted nails. And for whatever reason, he was famous for like his, his 15 minutes in, in this window. So this is a total spoof on mystery. And I'm here for it. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's amazing how this, this would not work today in any way, shape or form, which is oh, a good thing. All. Yes. But it's also sad how recently this did work. <laughs> this ain't hashtag yeah. me too. This is hashtag me. <laughs> yes. So let's go meet Viper, AJ. We go to uh, a class that he is giving, and he gave me his outfit. Gave me, I don't know, Phineas Boggs, um, uh, P.T. Barnum. Uh, uh, you know, but, uh, it's, it's it's just nonsense. It's absolute <laughs> yes. nonsense. And uh, he he's going on through his super offensive talk to the class about how men are on on earth to hunt women and it's competition and we got to bring home the best possible mate. And it's, it's inborn and they, and the women just want someone who's going to make their eyeballs roll back in their head. I mean, just nonsense. And, uh, his, his job is to help his class slash pass every defense, uh, every trick that women are going to throw at you. And he says, you may not have uh, ripped abs or afford be able to afford table service, but if you're smarter and and then he pauses to put on his Jamiroquai hat. <laughs> <laughs> Big uh, Indeed. Dr. Seuss looking Jamiroquai. Uh, anyway, he puts this hat on. And he says, more interesting. <laughs> I just, who's in this class, AJ? Who is in this who's class? Who's in this class? A bunch of losers and and ridiculous people. And it, it I mean, we're still doing this. This is the, one of the recent Saturday Night Live skits from the most recent season uh, with uh, with Pascal. Was, they did basically this this exact skit where the guy was in front saying, "This is how you pick up women, and you bunch of nerds." And he's like, you know, he's in the back. Oh, this is not how I would do it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's saying we got to be a predator. This is a jungle, and your prey wants to be caught. And Morgan is like, this dude is basically just training in serial killers. And so he must be the guy. I mean, he, it, the guy must <laughs> right. be in this class. I mean, it makes perfect sense. We found the spot. <laughs> yes. And uh, Prentice says, we're dealing with the rampant narcissist and misogynist who's turned himself into a snake oil salesman. And we cut to Viper and uh, they're talking with him now. And he's saying, so you think this, uh, what do you call him? Unsub took my class. Hodge points out. Yeah, he copied some of his his words verbatim. But Viper's not going to give them the list of people that attend his class. He says uh, his clients expect confidentiality, and I won't, won't compromise this this holy confidentiality of these guys. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you know, 
that uh, long-standing legal precedent of Viper client privilege. <laughs> <laughs> and Hotch is like, yeah, we could come back with a warrant. And and Viper's very smart. I mean, be my guest, but I can, you know, it doesn't my money I make doesn't pay just for my lifestyle. I can also have some very expensive lawyers on retainer. They ask him oh. where, yeah, I know. They ask him where, what club he was at last night. Morgan's saying, it's a legitimate question. You seem to know a lot about our investigation. And Viper says, first of all, you need to know two things. I First, I outwit alpha males like you for fun and sometimes profit. And how often do you have to rely on your badge to score, Baldy? I'm like, not at all. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who you're talking to, Slutwat? <laughs> and uh, secondly, last night I was at Club Aqua, and I have a stack of tax-deductible drink receipts to back up my story. Oh, Lordy, Lordy. Uh, you might not believe my style works, and you know, right here and now, you know, you'd be right. But beat me out on my turf. And he looks at Prentice and says, oh, the things I could make you do. <laughs> uh, I mean, kudos to this actor. He, he, he does a great job of being the most worst person in the world in this. And uh, yeah, he usually plays lawyers. He's one of that guys. It's lawyer, 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 cop, lawyer, lawyer. lawyer. So yeah, he, he's and, perfect for this. And Viper. <laughs> and Viper. So, yeah, as they're leaving, Princess is like, tell me we're not going to give up on this guy. And Hot says, no, we're just getting started. And we cut to Garcia. She's on the phone and she's saying, he actually said that to Prentice. And we cut back and see she's talking to Hotch. And uh, Hotch is like, yep. So what can you tell me about this guy? Garcia says, well, his real name is Paul Thomas. Before he uh, got uh, to be the Viper, he had a major mullet going on. (laughs) Hotch is like, well, we need the names of all of his students. Garcia's that's going to take her a couple of hours. And he, Hotch also asks her to send Reed everything he can about whatever this guy teaches uh, because they think the unsub is using his routines. And Garcia is kind of unbelieving that this guy's stuff actually works on women. And Hotch says, well, why are you asking me? And she says, I, I abhor, she says, the whole chicks dig jerk thing big jerks thing and Hotch says well you're one of the exceptions and Garcia's like well but still my bespeckled heart so are you sir and Hotch is actually laughing I think maybe for the first time in a long while here talking yeah yeah okay and it's a great scene and and nice and yeah I believe that these two worked together for a long time and you know especially because you know he's she's almost one of the longest running (laughs) co-workers at this point but, um, Garcia, you wouldn't fall for something like this? You wouldn't fall uh, for something like this. Um. <laughs> oh, I've got to watch it. I went to Harvard. <laughs> and Yale. <laughs> Look at me, aren't I a pimp? <laughs> I think you might fall for this, Garcia. <laughs> you make a good point. I didn't even think about that. I'm just saying. <laughs> they seem to have... Now, mind you, he did not, like, deny her, too, but... Nonetheless, she, right. she could fall for this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So meanwhile, Rossi walks in with to Hotch. He's bringing Melissa Foster, who is our waitress from that scene before. And she has recognized the sketch. She's sure she's seen this man. In fact, she's the one that gave him the scar. 
oh, did you meet him out in a club? No, 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 no. She was a prostitute, uh, and she's talking to them now. She's sitting down with them. It happened about a year ago. She was in really bad shape, problems with heroin, but she wound up getting clean. One of her friends told her if she put an ad in the paper, that would be safer than, than walking the streets. So one day she met this guy at a motel. She knew immediately, and Rossi is like telling her this. She's not saying it. She's being told by Rossi, and she's confirming it all. So just to show you that the profile is, is matching what they have. Yeah, she, she knew immediately he was kind of shifty. He was pacing back and forth. And if he could relax, then maybe she could relax. But he just wanted to rant. And he was going on about her being the help and get a flashback of this. And he's like yelling at her. They don't even see you. You're nothing. You're the help. She says she had had customers like this before. And it's either one of two things. Either they're going to want to tie you up and you say no, or else they're going to want to be tied up, in which case you do it. And then you steal their wallet. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's sad, but probably true. Yeah. Then Rossi says, only he didn't want you to tie, he didn't want to tie you up, did he? She says, no. And we see the flashback to him pulling out a, a switchblade knife on her. And she hits him over the eyebrow. He's bleeding. And that causes him to stab out. And he manages to stab her with the knife. And uh, she says, what I remember about the whole thing, it wasn't the pain that sent him running away. And Hotch says, it was the mess. So apparently he looked at the mess and got skeeved and, and ran away rather than making she, sure she was. Uh, but killed. here's the twist. Here's the twist. It was the best thing that ever happened to her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Because she realized that she wasn't ready to die yet. And. She didn't want to live life the way she was anymore. So if he hadn't have attacked her, she would have probably OD'd. So he saved her life by stabbing her (laughs) or wherever she was stabbed. I mean, at least she's not like, and I want to find him and thank him. At least she's not like that gone. I mean, yes, it probably did save her life. But this is not the first nor the last time we'll hear a victim of, of a serious crime saying, well, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, it made me turn my life and re-examine where I was. And like, so, I mean, it, it's a uh, check market ticking the box of human resiliency. So uh, then we cut to our profile scene. They're telling the police about the unsub. I won't go over all of it because it's all stuff that we pretty much know. I do, did like the part of this scene, AJ, where, Reed says, uh, you know, one of the classic routine that the Viper has been teaching is what he calls the push-pull, where he will insert himself between two women, and immediately after complimenting one, he'll deliver a subtle insult and then pay attention to the other one. Then he turns over to Todd and says, oh, those are really nice earrings. I like those. She's like, oh, thanks. And he says, my grandmother wears a lot of fake jewelry also. (laughs) It looks nice. (laughs) And I do like the fact that everyone in the room laughs. Right. And then, and then he immediately apologizes. I was just demonstrating on you. I don't right. really mean <laughs> I, I like it when Reed says a joke that lands because all too often 
Oh, his really? Jokes. <laughs> would, would, you, would you care to hear something about light bulbs <laughs> and existentialists <laughs> or surrealists? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh lordy! So yeah, they've they've uh, got a bunch of spots, night possible nightclubs where uh, they're gonna put some eyes and ears because uh, they think it's possible due to the Viper connection he might show up there. So they want to get the sketch out there. They want to make sure everybody knows about him. Reed doesn't actually want to go out work the clubs. Clubs aren't really his thing. But Morgan is like, nope, I need a wing man. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> I got you, player. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Rossi is saying, well, there's still the other angle we have to pursue. We don't know why this guy changed his victimology, why he stopped with the prostitutes and moved into the clubs. And Rossi says, well, there might be something in the Vipers class, but to figure that out, we need to profile the teacher. And Morgan says, well, hmm, then I guess you really need to bait him. With maybe someone he sees as a challenge. And Reed says, yeah, we need to study his style up close and personal. It's going to take someone that he's already attracted to. <laughs> and of course, they're both looking at Emily and she realizes it's going to have to be her. And she says, oh, this is going to suck. And go to yeah, a I break. Just, I just love the last thing for the commercial. It's just Emily going, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> So we come back from break and uh, Prentice is changing in the locker room and uh, Hotch comes in to talk to her after tastefully knocking on the door, of course, and, and making sure it's okay to come in. Not um, only making sure that it's okay to come in, but he's coming to make sure she's, she's actually okay with this. Like, I, yes. I, I thought that's that's really good management, especially to counteract all the misogyny in this episode. It's like, yeah, you are cool with this, right? Because if you're not, right. we'll, we'll send someone else. Yeah. Uh, and And... She has a nice line. Uh, sadly, uh, she's fine, but she's uh, actually dated people worse than Viper. I think, oh, wow. How did that happen? Jeez. Uh, and then she decides to ask what's going on with Jordan, because he did ask her to keep an eye on her, which, yes, he did. And he, she's noticed some tension between them. And Hotch brings up the fact that she she lied and she was you know, taking risks in order to get them in with the Holden family. Emily said, did she misrepresent the uh, Bureau? And Hot says, no, she misrepresented herself. And uh, <laughs> Prentice is like, well, how long is she going to be in the doghouse? Hot says, until she proves she's competent, which I thought was a little harsh, but okay. And uh, Prentice, again, that's going to be tricky if you're going to be scrutinizing her every mood. And I just like, well, you seem to do okay. <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> kind of a funny comparison. <laughs> Basically, she's like, you're going to have to give her an opportunity. And Hotch is like, oh, well, what did you have in mind? <laughs> I thought at this point it was just going to be her getting uh, Todd to replace her completely. In the, in <laughs> <laughs> that would have that been funny. That would have been very funny. Like the whole thing was just all that nice talk about you need to make things up is because she didn't want to uh, <laughs> work the it, case. Yeah, that, that could have been that could have been a funny beat. But then what would Emily have done the rest of the episode? So, right. uh, but yeah, that that'd be good. I, it's very good point. Like, how could she get out of the doghouse if you've locked her in the doghouse? Right, exactly. <laughs> so next we go over to a club and Reed is there and he's talking to the ladies. Uh, but he's being read. <laughs> so that goes as about as you can imagine it would. He's talking about 
how it's amazing. There's not more predators in clubs with the all the alcohol, countless opportunities for the date rape drug, and the surprisingly risky uh, behavior that's being pursued. Then he says, all right, who wants a flyer? <laughs> and nobody takes the flyer. He's like, ah, all right. Morgan comes over, asks how it's going. Reed's like, nope, I gave the profile to one woman and she asked if I was the unsub. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, he asks Morgan how he's doing and Morgan's like, well, yeah, I got out all of my flyers. And Reed is like, oh, yeah, and how many phone numbers do you, did you get? And Morgan looks offended. It's like, none. I'm working my job, homeboy. Let me school you. But he's all right, all right. Four were, were offered, but <laughs> I didn't take any of them. <laughs> but what you have to do with these ladies, Reed, is take control of the conversation. So Morgan's kind of doing <laughs> what Viper does, not yeah. as offensively. <laughs> he's kind of doing the same. Well, but then again, he's tailoring this to Reed specifically because he's seen him do what uh, I call the Alamogordo. Oh, because I had a friend in college who was really in love with this one girl and just wanted to impress her. And we managed to get them together at the party. And he proceeded to talk about nuclear blast testing in Alamogordo. <laughs> and we could see from a distance this girl's face going from mildly interested to, oh, my God. <laughs> so we call it the Alamogordo. And that's what Reed just did. Yeah. Time and again. Oh, Reed. So Morgan asks him, well, when you're, when you're talking, what, what makes you feel like an expert? And Reed says, uh, statistics? <laughs> Morgan is like, no, 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 no. Uh, something else. And uh, Reed says, how about uh, when I do magic? And Morgan is like, oh, Physics perfect. magic. <laughs> yeah. Morgan is like, perfect, excellent, chicks dig magic. I'm going to let you work it. And so they go over to the bar. AJ says to the bartender, excuse me, sweetheart, get a chance. And the bartender comes over. AJ, where do I know this actress? Is? I know this actress from something. I can't even. This, this actress uh, primarily, uh, she was on Dexter for a full season. Yes. Yes. She, she went with uh, the other Quinn. The character Quinn. She was involved, yes, the whole Trinity Killer That's season. That's who she is. And, yes. Um, <laughs> and it explains the ending of this episode a little bit as well. Because, uh, well, she kind of got the part right after this episode. <laughs> Which is why any future plans they were planning here kind of went out the window. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, that sort of gives away what's going to happen. But anyway, hey, it's <laughs> in the future... It's but, all yeah. good. Well, no, I was going to tell you because, it, yeah. Anyway, she's the bartender. She asked them what they want. Reed is like, uh, we're the FBI. We're looking for this man. Does he look familiar to you? And he shows her the dorky picture, which even she has to say this is a dorky picture. And Reed says, oh, I know. Well, you know what might help? He actually has a scar right here. And the way he was fumbling with the paper, at first I was thinking, oh, no, I, I forgot Two seconds ago, said he was going to do magic. So I was like, oh, no, Reed, you're, you're fumbling it. But he puts the pin through the paper, and you can see it on the other side of the paper. Reed says, we also know that he's taken classes where he's learned how to distract and charm his victim. And meanwhile, 
He's turned the paper around and does the little magic whatever, and the paper is fine. It has no hole in it, even though we just saw him poke a hole in it. Good trick, or they just stopped the camera and... <laughs> I, no, actually, I, I'm going to say good trick. I... I the reason that this is part of Spencer's profile is because Matthew Great Goober actually can do magic. So this is probably a trick that he knows how to do. Okay. And the bartender is enchanted. Oh, how did you do that? And I like Reed's line. Oh, that's privileged information. I, I think when Reed, I think Dex, Dexter, I think uh, Morgan, <laughs> Dexter Morgan. Uh, Dexter Morgan, there you go. I think Morgan actually gave him some good advice here because he was even smoother with his lines. That wasn't to do with the magic. Exactly. Was still pretty smooth. He was focused on the magic and not on the conversation. Yeah. And uh, she says, uh, so the bartender says, so what if I do see him? Reed says, well, you, you should call us. Even if you just think you see him, definitely call us. And she says, if I don't see him, can I still call you? And Reed is like, yeah, yeah, definitely. And she says, okay, uh, wait, I don't have your number. All right, now this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says, oh, it's behind your barrette. Bye. And she goes to her ear <laughs> and pulls out a big ass piece of, well, it's a business card. Yes. Yeah. That he There's, has given no, her. There is, there is zero way that this could have happened. Absolute <laughs> zero. This is complete BS. <laughs> This, this is this is the stuff that you see with the David Blaine's and, and the Chris Angels that is 100% either they stopped the camera <laughs> and just shot it from the other side or there's a confederate working with them. You know, if he had arranged this, you know, if he was a magician, he arranged this with someone who was a co-worker with hers to walk past her and, and like put it right. there when she wasn't paying attention. None of that happened here. This is just complete TV nonsense. <laughs> yes. It's, and it's, it's insulting, quite frankly. <laughs> He's not a sorcerer. Uh, yeah. So then we cut. <laughs> can you imagine, can you imagine that the, the unsub is like, got a, got a knife to someone's throat. And like, Oh, by the way, look behind you. There's <laughs> a grenade that blows his head off from behind. Ha ha ha, magic. It's Spencer Reed in the Chamber of Seacrest. Oh, okay. awful. Awful, awful, <laughs> awful, awful, awful. And then we cut to, I wasn't clear if this was another club. I think it was another club, different right, club. AJ? This, different yes, club? this is okay. a different club. Okay. Yes, so uh, we're at a different club, and we cut to my man Viper. He's holding court. Looks like over by the DJ booth where they have some monitors set up or whatever. And uh, he's talking to, I guess, some students of his. Yeah, what's the casting call for these students, man? Uh, uh, we, we need uh, 10 people who are losers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just come with yourself. <laughs> normal. I mean, they're normal looking people, but they're just not TV beautiful people is all. And so he's saying, well, how do you proceed... Once you know a chick is interested, allow me to demonstrate. And he looks over, and he has seen Prentice there. So he walks over to her, and just the grossest, like, first move is he sticks his finger in his drink and then basically sucks his finger after doing That is just so cringe. They keep, <laughs> they, they keep one up in the cringe on this guy. <laughs> 
and walks over to Prentice. And, uh, like, this is a nice surprise. And she says, well, we're looking at all the bars that you uh, that you go to. And it looks like I pulled the short straw. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. She starts out with I like her game here because they're they're clearly about to play him here. Absolutely. But she doesn't come off all into him right away. She's still giving the sort of I despise you kind of vibe. Uh, this, to start this, is off the with. Sa- this is the same vibe that we saw on Girls' Night when the guy comes up to them with the FBI badge. Right. Like, oh, you work for the FBI in Quantico? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. So she asks him, why, did you, why do you do it? Why do you teach guys to be somebody they're not? And he's like, it's a game. It's one I'm good at. I want to help other guys get good at it, too. And Prentice is like, so, and yeah, she's kind of starting to have show almost a coy interest here. Affection, sex, emotional commitment, that's all just for fun, huh? And his Viper is like, no, the fun is the initial spark. Uh, it's that thing that you do in the first five seconds that makes you go, him. What you're talking about, that's a different beast. You have, You can't fake it. You have to want it. Why are you really here? Meanwhile, uh, Todd comes up. She's like, oh, um, is this the guy you were telling me about? And then uh, Princess is like, yeah, Viper meet SSA Jordan Todd from BAU. Uh, Jordan, this is Viper, God's gift to women. (laughs) And God sure has a sense of humor. And the Viper at first does have a flash of uh uh-oh, but uh, he's like, oh, you brought a friend. And Prentice says, yeah, well, you promised if I met you on your turf, you'd show me something special. Let's see it. And Todd, I like this line, says, yeah, Viper, let's see who gets pushed and who gets pulled tonight. In other <laughs> words, they've read your uh, your <laughs> curriculum, dude. <laughs> we've seen the playbook and we've uh, <laughs> appropriately planned a defense for it. You will not be beating us tonight. I also like the fact that Viper will now spend the next hour, hour and a half, completely ignoring his class. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Good point. But for the moment, we dissolve back to the police station, and it was kind of jarring to me to see it dissolve there. I don't know know why they made that particular choice. Uh, Yeah, no reason other than do it differently than every other cut. Yeah. This whole whole scene is kind of (laughs) doesn't need to be here but correct it's a quick scene of rossi and hotch talking again they go on over the fact that they haven't figured out what the secondary trigger was and hotch is like maybe something from the class prentice could maybe find that but rossi interrupts him and says well what he took from the class brought him to vanessa holden but he's talking about something deeper psychologically the unsub always goes to his victim's apartments, never his own place. Why is that? Says, oh, well, that means there must be some sort of restriction at the apartment. Rossi's like, yeah, nagging girlfriend, crying baby, some reminder of how miserable his life is. And that says, which he's taking out on his victims. I just This is a perfect example of what Criminal Minds always does. It's, it's like, if you know Criminal Minds, you know they're either completely wrong, or 
they're completely right, but they're not telling you the actual reason. So and this is one of the right. cases where like, there must be something at his place that is a reminder. Girlfriend, baby. It's not girlfriend. It's not baby. It'll be something else. Right. <laughs> they're, they're basically telling you. Right. Exactly. So we go back to the club and the Viper is uh, talking to Todd. He's like, oh, eye contact is very powerful. It's why you look away from someone when you're attracted to because you know what a giveaway it is, but your brain goes there anyway. And at this moment, Todd is like, don't flatter yourself. And uh, Viper is like, the eyes don't lie. It's a chemical response. They dilate. We can't control it. And Prentice comes up and says, okay, 15 seconds. <laughs> Jordan is like, what do you see? Prentice says, nope, no change, no dilation. <laughs> And I like this. Uh, they, they, they kind of switch over here. They're no longer calling him Viper. They're calling him Paul. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And and Paul tries to play it off with like, oh, no, there's no excitement there because you have someone else here in your mind. So he turns to Prentice. He's like, your turn. And she's like, no. <laughs> he's like, oh, you're scared I might be right. She says, no, Paul, I'm baffled. I can't figure out what the unsub could have possibly learned from you. <laughs> he's like what are you talking about he took all my whole shtick and, she, and Todd says really because the unsub he can get beautiful women into <laughs> his apartment <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't let you on my Facebook page and the princess is like oh you're on Facebook she's like yeah you should friend me so <laughs> they're like ignoring him and Viper is insulted here clearly he's like I gave him the routines that made him what he is and uh, they're like, well, it must be all in his salesmanship. <laughs> because well, not, only that, not only that, I mean, but and they wouldn't do this. But I mean, I gave him all the routines that made him who it is. Oh, thank you. You're an accessory. <laughs> That's a murder. Uh, yeah. Good job. Let's arrest you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They question him, basically. Does he even really go home with the ladies or does he wind up going home each night alone? And after a quick second of looking like, Oh, they got me. He starts to smile and play it off. Oh, really good ladies. Don't you think I, I see why why you're here, what you're doing? One of my students copies my moves and you're here trying to get into my mind. And he says, don't you see? I comforted my Queen Bee a long time ago. Uh-oh, Queen Bee? What's that? And uh, he says, you are. He's talking to Todd at this point. Uh, so is every other confident in here who's loud when she's drunk. So Prentice says, oh, so we're talking about the social butterfly, the alpha female. And Viper explains sort of his his whole platform, which is there's this one woman for every guy in every guy's life, this one queen bee. And one of the first things that a guy in my class has to do is look up her and confront their own queen bee. And you find a way to squash them. And that's really the information that Prentice and Todd wanted to know. They give each other a look. They take their leave and uh, they're headed out. And Prentice calls Hotch. She says, our unsub knew Vanessa Holden. Todd says, it's the Viper's confidence building exercise. Find the source of your first rejection, make her pay for it. And Prentice says, and that must be why he stopped seeing the prostitutes. He took the class and then decided to confront Vanessa Holden. That seems to make a lot of sense. So they decide that they're going to need to talk to the family again. We cut back to... Hopefully they waited till the morning because it's like... Yeah. 
got to be like yeah. midnight at this point. <laughs> yeah. Although the family could be in church the next morning. <laughs> I don't know. It's just the, the timeline. The, this is where yeah. the timeline of the episode starts to get really, really wonky. Like, right. The, the nightclub is, ha- is happening, and yet they're going to essentially it's the same night when this when the, all the next incidents take place so this the timing just was off yeah it's wonky so they are talking to the mom um uh, they're letting her know they think the, that her daughter knew her killer could have been, been someone she met maybe at a young age maybe a boyfriend someone who she rejected uh, ashley says no i knew about all her boyfriends and Rossi says, well, did anybody express themselves sexually to her? Like, would it have, it would have been really awkward or embarrassing? And Hotch mentions he would have had issues with cleanliness or cleaning. And that causes the mom to look startled. So they ask her, what is it? And Ashley answers, well, the woman who used to clean from us, the one who brought her son with her. Well, who was she? The mom doesn't even remember her name. <laughs> Yeah, and, and yeah, she's like, well, I had so many domestics over the years. Yeah. Oh, white privilege, white privilege, white privilege. <laughs> and she uh, does remember, though, that she brought a young boy with her that was very odd. And they ask her how. She says he was inappropriate. He would hide in the closet, then watch. And we flash back to a scene. And it's a young boy and, and young Vanessa and the mom is sort of busting them they're in their underwear and the mom has come in what are you doing here the unsub is like well we weren't doing anything little vanessa says oh he made me and you can tell little vanessa was a brat she clearly instigated this whole situation Damn straight and when the mother takes the kid and starts spanking him and going, never, ever do this again. Vanessa is smiling and smirking and enjoying this. Oh, she is bad. She doesn't deserve to get killed because of it. Right. But, uh, yeah. Okay. We see. We see. The mom doesn't have any records of who this was because everybody got paid in cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ashley does remember uh, that the boy's name was Bobby because Vanessa called him a pervert. Mom says, I I fired the mother that day. It was awful, but I do remember a service where I used to get my domestics from in Fulton County. We go back to the club and we see our unsub and he's hitting on some woman. And the bartender that we met before notices the scar above his eye. So she's going to try to get herself in between the woman and this guy. She goes up while uh, he's kind of trying to get her to go with him. And she spills a drink on the woman. Oh, you know what? I got a club soda. Let's, let's clean that up. It takes her back in in the room behind the bar. The unsub looks mad but he also sees the way that she's looking at him. So I guess he realized she, she knew who he was. Yeah. She, you know, he's, he's squeezing this poor girl's hand way hard. And this, this girl who was just about to go home with him is suddenly, suddenly like, okay, yeah, I'm going to take this opportunity to just not <laughs> true colors have been revealed, but yeah, he is 
death daggering to the bartender. Instead of, you know, calling the police right there, maybe locking the door. uh, She does what they do in every single TV show, (laughs) because I guess they wouldn't have any suspense or at least they. They could well look. They could have set this up by, by because it's the same bar we were before to show that someone couldn't get a signal in the bar. They, they could have done that, so she had to go outside and make the call. Or conversely, it could have been just a little later that night, and the music could have been so loud that she wouldn't have been able to hear on the phone. She went outside for some quiet. But clearly, she said, "Last call. People are <laughs> starting to clear out. It's get it's quiet. Come on." Yeah. So she goes outside. She starts to call Reed, but of course, the unsub comes out of nowhere, knocks her out. We immediately cut to Reed and Morgan at that same location. He says uh, the bouncer saw her go out back because she likes to smoke back here. Morgan says, well, from what we got from the witnesses, pretty sure the unsub must have been here. We sent some uniforms to her apartment, but no one's home. So Reed dials up. Her number, he gets voicemail. Hey, it's Austin. Leave a message. So I guess her name is Austin. I just called her the bartender the whole time. But uh, (laughs) hey, it's Austin. Leave a message. Reed says, oh, it's going straight to voicemail. Maybe we can get Garcia triangulate. And then they realize, oh, they can hear the cell phone or, or something because they walk over to a plant box and her phone is there. And they go, oh, he has her. Yeah, which is, which, again, clump, clumsy, very clumsy, because he's already gotten her voicemail, so he wouldn't then hear the phone ring. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wondered, it, it, like, how did that clumsy, happen? Clumsy, very clumsy. So we cut back to uh, the police station, and Todd is coming in with Prentice, and she's, like, talking about uh, when you asked him if he practices his routine on a sex doll, I almost lost it. <laughs> She thanks she thanks Prentice for you know basically standing up for her and, and letting her do this go along with her. Meanwhile, Hotch comes in. I need you both out here. We've got another victim. So now they got Garcia on the line. She's talking with Rossi. They narrowed down some names based on the attendance records of the class list. They have twenty three uh, suspects. So then she's able to immediately pull up their birth records and get the mother's names and cross-reference work <laughs> at home addresses I in Fulton mean, County. I mean, come on. It's like, hey, Garcia, can you get the names off this one list of Viper's records of everyone who's taken this class? It's going to take me a couple of hours. Okay, I have the list. Screen out for Roberts. 23! <laughs> 23 Roberts okay okay fine fine maybe it was a long list she's been operating for, for a long time okay cross reference with their birthdays their mother's employment and click 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 I got it <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. from Viper's list <laughs> birthdays their mother's names their mother's employment <laughs> records Clickety clickety click. It's this guy. Yep. Uh, All right. All right. right away, she's got it. Uh, Mr. Robert C. Parker. She's got his address. She gives it to him. Hotch says, All right, let's go there. 
Uh, Jordan, make sure the SWAT team meets us out there. And we cut over to our unsub's house. At first, I was I was afraid that he had already disemboweled our bartender. Yeah. I don't think he did. He or no, no, he was he was still in the process of doing it. And thank goodness it was Robert C. Parker, not Robert B. Parker, who's yeah. the author of Spencer for Hire, because <laughs> that had just gotten too confusing. Yes. <laughs> anyway, he's making her clean up. He's right. screaming well, she's, at she's, her. She's, she's got to clean first. And then he kills. And then he can kill. Okay. That's that's the that's the order of operations. You're a dirty girl. You need to clean up your mess. And now I'll kill you. Yeah. Faster, faster is is what he's telling her, and uh, basically screaming at her. Meanwhile, outside, clean it up. Clean it up! <laughs> outside, the uh, SWAT team and the FBI are there, coming around the house, and. Uh, bartender austin is is basically crying as you would says i'll do whatever you want me to do i'll do it i'll do it and unsub gets behind her we kind of zoom in and see that he has a a a blue eye and a a brown eye and he says the help doesn't talk i was gonna say yeah they put something nasty in your uh in your pie or your cake. <laughs> yes. Uh, Repeat yeah. after me. You his kind. <laughs> <laughs> and he's about to, he's got his big knife out. He's about to slash her throat. No, FBI is there. Boom, they go in. Morgan takes care of the tackling duties. And uh, so he's got the unsub and Reed goes to the bartender. He helps her, takes off uh, the constraints, the tape, duct tape and all that stuff. And lets her go, and she's saying, "Get it off!" She said, "I called you, I called you, you know." And Reed's like, "I know," and he's he's comforting her. Then we go back in the house some more to search it. Now that they've taken away Robert C, and <laughs> we open a room. They find an elderly lady. Who is she? She's hooked up to a dialysis machine. Uh, she's Mrs. Parker. Where's my Robert? Where's my son? They tell her everything's okay. We're going to get you some help. No, please. I need Robert. I need to be changed. He's just outside. It's a dialysis pump they look at. And it was issued just 10 months ago. So I guess that's good enough to be the trigger. (laughs) I mean, look, I get that we have to wrap up the episode here. But like, this is dialysis pump really going to have issued 10 months ago sticker right there. Blame view for everyone to see. Probably not. But okay. Let's wrap up the case. I yeah. get it. This episode's toast. So that's it. They could have just looked at her and said, she must be the secondary trigger. Yeah. Hello. And also the reason why he wasn't bringing them home. Yes. It makes sense. Yeah. So we cut to the jet flying home. Get Rossi giving us a quote. PJ, PJ O'Rourke wrote, cleanliness becomes more important when godliness is unlikely. I, I kind of like that one for this episode. That's a, yeah, that's a good one. And, and again, that does make sense. Yeah. We cut over to the office. Hotch is there. Todd comes in to give him her report. And meanwhile, he tells her Prentice said she was excellent in the field, astute, responsive, thought well on her feet. Todd says, oh, she's just being kind. I really enjoyed working with her. And Hotch points out that she also said early on that Vanessa Holden might know the unsub and she was right. 
Clearly, the unsub was more complicated than the profile, and I just wanted to let you know you've got the green light again. I trust your judgment. Jordan Todd gives us a big old smile. We go to Reed's desk, and he is there. He is calling Austin, asks her how she's feeling. She says she's fine. She told her HMO she got abducted by a serial killer, and they gave her free dental x-rays. <laughs> that made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, but she's fine. She's got a clean bill of health. Uh, her doctor says she can go back to work if she wants. And Reed's like, oh, bar- back to bartending. She says, nope, quit that job. Recent brush with death inspired me to go for a different career. And Reed says, oh, well, that's very exciting. What's the uh, new job? And she says, oh, I was uh, thinking about magic. Have you opened up the package yet? And uh, he's got a package at his desk. This was stupid. <laughs> of course it was stupid, but go ahead, finish it off. <laughs> so he opens up a, an envelope that is at, at his desk. And what's in it? It's his business card. And she says, is this your card? <laughs> uh, and Reed is, is like, this your card? <laughs> Reed is like, yeah, it is my card. Cool. And that's the episode. And I... I'm a little disappointed. So they were going to work 52 pickup. You had the cards, the magic, and you had the pickup artists. I wanted to see like an old Chevy truck as well. Uh, just <laughs> yeah, one okay. more. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I can't blame them because, you know, they, again, they were trying to get something going romantically with Reed. And, you know, he finally hits it off with, you know, somebody and she returns and reciprocates and okay. Is it clunky? Yeah. But is this going to work for Reed on Reed? Yes, probably will. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a magic. It's cute. Is this your card? And this, uh, you know, spoiler alert. Yeah. This just goes nowhere. She's never seen again. And it's because the actress booked Dexter. Um, so what are you going to do? <laughs> it's so disappointing, AJ. I, I this, think this she, she works with Reed. Yeah, this happens a lot on television shows where you have a, a, a day player, you know, guest star for one episode. And there's it, it, clearly a click between the two of them, which is why they filmed this, this scene at the end, because they didn't have to. Right. And they got along. It worked very well. You could see, like you were saying that Spencer seemed a lot more confident. I, I just think Matthew... Greg Goobler got along with his actress. It's the, clearly there was chemistry there. So they said, hey, let's leave it open. Right, well, oh. you know. <laughs> Never see her oh, again. Well. Go, yeah. go live with that FBI lady from episode one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the show. Uh, how about let's take a look at our barometer, AJ, and tell me if you think the team won this episode uh, Hey, I think we still undefeated for the season. Uh, There's a clear victory for the team. First of all, team worked as a team. Uh, They identified the unsub. They caught the unsub. And they really caught the unsub primarily because of the good detective work that they did. Because if she didn't have Reed's phone number, they probably wouldn't have caught uh, the unsub. And certainly not as quickly from preventing that victim from being killed i mean they, they you know garcia's super duper computers clickety clacking <laughs> came to, came to bear but yeah no i did unsub caught victim saved w seven wins for the season seven oh and two this is a perfect season so far rolling along here 
Well, we're not going to mess up a perfect season. Why would we do that? Who knows? <laughs> well, that was episode nine. So, AJ, unless you're about to change the schedule on me, I think uh, the next thing we have to talk about is what could possibly be happening on episode 10. Yeah, I mean, how could you follow up this episode with anything? <laughs> I mean, it was so perfect. Although, you know, the script of the second half could have used a little... <laughs> it was a push-pull. Anyway. <laughs> Season 4. Episode 10. What's going to be the plot of next week's episode, Kintad? Entitled Brothers in Arms. Brothers in Arms. Is it A... A local church is a victim of arson, and Emily takes this very personally. Is it B? Hotch gets a strange telegram from his brother and takes this very personally. Is it C? Police officers are being killed willy-nilly. And Morgan takes this very personally. Or is it D? Several members of the same platoon have been killed stateside. And Rossi takes this very personally. Uh, I take this question very personally. Well, you uh, should. <laughs> uh, all of these sound quite plausible to me, except for perhaps Hodge's brother actually making another appearance. Uh, I mean, brothers maybe in his... Arms. It is called Brothers in Arms. Maybe his mysterious uh, note is, I guess I should have told you I moved out of New York since you were here like <laughs> six times. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just for poops and giggles, I am going to go with Choice A, we haven't had a good arson in a while, so Emily is going to take it very personally, the church. Okay, very true. Arson. Well, although it is true that Hotch does have a brother, Rossi served in the military, Emily, Catholic upbringing, and Morgan, former police officer. All of these are very true things. They would all take these cases very personally if they came their way. We are off to Phoenix, Arizona, where the police are being killed willy-nilly. Mm. Morgan ain't going to be happy with this. That's Brothers in Arms. Uh, Sorry, sir. You are not having a perfect season. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that was fun, AJ. Let's end this sucker, shall we, <laughs> folks? That's the end of the show for this week. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Hope you had a good old time. Please be sure to subscribe to rate, review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to spread the word. Let your friends know about us. You can also write to us at feloniouspundits at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore pundits. For AJ Mass. This is Kintad Svensgaard saying goodbye and keep profiling. Wheels up. Love can sometimes be magic, but magic can sometimes 
just be an illusion. Javan. I didn't look up who the hell is Javan. <laughs> uh, Some guy. <laughs> uh.